intervention. What's going on, guys? I am here to intervene with your fantasy football life. And tonight, we're going to be talking some DFS. So, I've got a lot going on, guys, and and I needed some help. I needed some help, so I reached out to one of my favorite DFS guys out there. You know, some some guy that not only do I enjoy his hot sauce, I also enjoy his hot takes when it comes to his DFS, and how he constantly, constantly wins people money. So, I brought Bo McBigTime in with me. What's going on, Bo? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's a Saturday night. Game day is almost upon us. When, so close. What more, what more could you want? And I'm loving, loving the heavy bass line on the intro. I know, mm, right? Got me vibing. Dude, it, it kind of gives me a little bit of adrenaline rush. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm actually really, really excited. Yeah. No, it's fun, it's, go, it's fun, man. I need to figure out how to kind of phase it in so it doesn't just, you know, completely quit on us. But I'm working on that. Got a bunch of other things <laughs> in the work for, of course, at Join Our Circle. So, yeah, real quick, Bo, let everybody know where to find you, you know, where to find your articles for DFS and, and how you're qualified, man. All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Bo underscore Mick Big Time. Um, I write about five articles a week now. Um, for at nimble w numbers um nimble w numbers.com slash bow dash nose dash dfs uh those i write two articles for scott simpson there where we break down kind of your risers and fallers from week to week on the dfs slates and then my i then do a friday article that builds uh three different example lineups and it gives reasoning for how to build a successful lineup and pick the right contest to match with that lineup um, I also write hot takes for podcastic uh, for um, podcasticnetwork.com. It's called Picantics, sponsored by my hot box hot sauce. And then I also have a, an article I do now for, called Surprisingly Spicy Stacks, and that's on Hammerjacks. And so it's a uh, yeah, <laughs> go Hollywood Titan. Me too, buddy. Me too. Cheers up. Um, but yeah, I, you're pretty much going to find me on Twitter prop, propping up all of my work, all of my friends' work. Um, you can't miss me. If, if you really want to read my stuff, it's not that hard to find. Well, I miss you. I absolutely miss you because of the fact that, you know, you haven't been on in a minute, man. It's been a while since we had you on. And not only are you just on, but you're now part of the, the fantasy intervention team. So I'm very, very excited. And I'm excited for this uh, for this show sheet that you wrote because I was going through it. And I'm like, man, I never thought about that. And I never thought about, you know, certain other things. And it's like, of course, Bo would bring up guys that I don't think about. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. My convoluted mind uh, thinks outside the box to a fault sometimes. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing the show sheet for today so that we can really dive into the, the types of matchups that are on the board that people aren't on all over the place. Like I don't want to see the big total on the, on the over under sheet. Like I, I, I kind of want to pick out the ones that are 48 to 51 instead of 55, 57 that are more likely to hit 57 than the ones that are predicted to go there. And that's, yeah. that's what I like to, I like to live in that realm. 
And, and that's the best realm to, to live in, by the way, guys. Like, you know, I've talked about it before. The average uh, ownership percentage for a winning team is anywhere from 12% up to 16%. And that's when you take all guys factored in and, and you end up averaging out their ownership. Now, you'll have some lineups that have like 8% that get lucky every once in a while. You'll have some lineups that, you know, it's all chalk and they just played one lucky guy like an Andy Isabella type player. But the average ownership range is normally from 12 to 16% for those Millie Maker winners. And that's because, hey, you're getting away from some of the guys that everybody else is playing. Meanwhile, you know, you still have some of that chalk sprinkled in. Now, let's go ahead and let's dive into the show sheet and, and tell us what to expect for week 11 in this main slate. So it's, it's just so diverse. Like last week, a lot, of, a lot of players had a hard time. There were a lot of duds on the board last week, but there were some obvious obvious plays that we did play last week where the average Joe can actually win last week where the pay lines were super low because all your sharps, if, if you want to call them sharps or experts at DFS, they all had a bad week last week. And uh, the people like me who kind of think outside the box, um, they slammed it hard last week because we took advantage of those lower pay lines with some out of the box thinking that the sharps were uh, a little, I mean, they, they, they consider those, themselves hipsters of the game. So um, they were too far ahead of the curve and it didn't work out. And so we cashed in last week. Uh, this week's totally different. This week, there's so many different values you can play that I'm actually tossing ownership percentage considerations out. I'm not worried about it this week because there's going to be so many different focuses. Um, that's, that's just how I see it is I see more scoring than last week by a long shot. We have a lot of indoor games. Um, so less weather is going to be considered. And it's just, just too many good offenses going against bad defenses this week to worry about if Dalvin Cook's going to be 50% owned. You might still want to have him and you might still need to have him. That's the kind of, that's the kind of thing we're looking at. Yeah. And you know, as we see, FCF Edward or FCF underscore Edward, you know, point out Amari Cooper is 54 in cash. We're actually going to bring up the Cowboys in this matchup because we actually mm -hmm. love the Cowboys for this week, but it might be in a little bit different direction what you're actually expecting. So okay. with that being said, the biggest thing that I noticed was the fact that there are five, that is, let me repeat five dome games, five dome games this upcoming weekend. We've been so used to this bad weather, right? Like, you know, the Raiders and, and the, the Browns Cleveland. and yeah. Cleveland, which by the way, like the, the whole, you know, the whole uh, Cleveland Philadelphia thing still isn't going to be good weather. They have like a 60, 69% no, 64% yeah, it's chance. Yeah. It, it's bad when rainy and a little breezy is actually good weather for Cleveland. True. <laughs> True. I mean, it's been that rough, but that was the first thing I noticed. The second thing that I noticed was the fact that how much I wish the Chiefs Chiefs and Raiders game was, Actually, I'm not going to say I wish it was. I'm actually kind of glad that it's not on the slate because it would become so chalky with right. the Chiefs and the Raiders, you know? So yeah. keep in mind, guys, with the Chiefs and the Raiders, this game is still playable, but it is a Sunday night matchup. There are 11 players on the COVID list right now that have to test Ooh. prior to the game. Ten of them are on defense. We know the Chiefs <laughs> aren't going to let up, you know, after the Is that bad? <laughs> God. Dude, ten, almost every starter on there. Who's the starter that's not? That's what I want to know. It's going to be like a cornerback or a safety. He's going to be in a bubble all week. I guarantee that guy's just like, he just encased himself in an ice sheet. He's the only one practicing on the field. They're like sitting there running drills. <laughs> one on 11. Like he's wearing a bubble and a, a bright orange vest. Don't come near me. I'm poisonous. Oh God. <laughs> all right. So Poor let's guy. go ahead. Let's go ahead and hop into the first matchup that you pointed out. 
What is yep. that one going to be? Atlanta at New Orleans. That is uh, that's a fifty-one and a half total. Uh, New Orleans is favored by four points, um, and so we have a good deal of Saints plays in this game. Um, Taysom Hill is now he's been named the starter by the media who's been on the inside with Sean Payton. Sean Payton hasn't done anything to confirm this, but it looks like Taysom Hill is going to get a lot of playing time. Really? Sean Payton never confirmed that. I never actually looked into it. Yeah. He didn't confirm it, but the everybody who's in the media around him said that Taysom Hill is getting all the first team reps. That's true. That's been on camera. Um, it just seems like if James Winston is going to see the field, it's going to be in a negative game script where they're just coming back. But um, I, I see Taysom Hill's a huge play at 4,800. Um, and surprisingly not chalky. I'm, I'm really shocked what? that people just don't have any confidence in him. And, and I get it. I mean, he hasn't played real quarterback since he's came in, come into the league. So I, mean, there's I a expect lot of that marks. chalk to raise once we get closer. Me too. Like yeah. that chalk has to go up like around like, you know, 12 o'clock or so as the game, you know, closes yeah. in. But yeah. So, so who's he going to be throwing to? Um, a lot of Alvin Kamara, to be honest, I don't see them doing much throwing downfield with Taysom Hill, even though he, I think he's capable of it. I mean, he, he, he impressed me at BYU and he's very, very intelligent and he knows that system very, very well. Um, that might be the reason why he got the nod over Jameis Winston is because he's just been in the system longer. He knows the whole playbook front and back, probably from every position more, I mean, better than anybody else. And so that's, that plays a big, big, a big part in Sean Payton's confidence in his starting quarterback in a divisional game. Um, so I, I do see, I was even going to play Taysom Hill if Jameis Winston was announced as starter. That was that was going to be my little wild card play was uh, a ground and pound attack from the Saints using their two main weapons, Hill and Kamara, all the time. Like we're talking 40 to 50 touches between the two of them. Um, and we know what they can do. And they're priced. I mean, Kamara's priced up. Hill's priced down. And I like to I'm actually going to throw their defense in there because I don't like Matt Ryan in a in a tough game. He he beats up on the bad ones, but he doesn't seem to do anything when the when the chips are put in the middle of the table there. So with me, right, like the big reason why Taysom Mills actually getting the play over Jameis Winston is because if Jameis Winston ends up playing well and they don't know what they have with Taysom Hill, then now they're going to owe Taysom Hill, you know, eleven million next year or twelve million mm-hmm. next year guaranteed plus the the bonuses. Then they're also potentially going to have to pay Jameis Winston, who's going to be a free agent without knowing what Taysom Hill has. So now all of a sudden they're in lockstep with, with having this great starting quarterback who's the perfect replacement for Breeze and Jameis Winston and having to double up and having to pay another $11 million for, for Taysom Hill. They need to make sure that that's not going to be the case you know, going forward and that Taysom Hill cannot be the answer rather than seeing if Jameis Winston is the answer. So that's the big reason as to why. But back to DFS. And, and the outlook with this, you know, I'm kind of interested a little bit with with Callaway. And is Traquan Smith actually going to play this week? Is he being ruled out yet? That's what I want. Um, no official word on Traquan Smith. He's trending neutral, I guess. We haven't heard much about him in the last few days. Um, but I, I would 
take that as a game time decision. So Callaway's in play if Traquan can't go. If Traquan goes, you don't play Callaway. Play Traquan if you're daring enough to go after a wide receiver in this game. Yeah, I dude, I would actually love, absolutely love, love, love to play Traquan Smith if he plays. Traquan Smith is a bigger, more physical version of Michael Gallup. They play the same exact position. They play on the left-hand side of the field, right? They run a go route. And they go up and they try and get the ball. Like with Traquan Smith, with Michael Thomas being injured, he was completely out of his role. In college, he averaged, what was it, like over 14 yards per reception in his sophomore year or his, his first year. Maybe that was his freshman year. In his uh, second year, he averaged over 15. Then in his final year, he averaged over 20 yards per reception with 13 touchdowns. He was a deep target. He is a deep target. He was completely miscast when Michael Thomas was gone. Towards the tail end of last season, we saw the same exact thing happen where he actually got utilized when Drew Brees started to trust him a little bit more. And he did put up some fantasy-relevant uh, weeks. I'm hoping that Taysom Hill, who, by the way, gets put in when they need some big-time plays and those deep targets, he gets put in the game. And you know he, he works off the play-action a lot. He works off the, the RPO. But either way, Traquan Smith, if he plays, could be a huge option. If not, I, I like Callaway. How are you feeling about Callaway? Um, it's it's your Z, your Z replacement. I mean, Michael Thomas is going to be on the field at the X. He's going to run a lot of slants and stop and go routes. Um, the thing we saw early on when Michael Thomas went out was Traquan taking over that X role. And when he couldn't cut it, as in he was underperforming, they saw it on tape. Um, they were they were lucky that uh, Emmanuel Sanders had got enough of the offense in his brain to take over that role. And they, and they did switch two weeks in to where they put uh, Traquan back on the offside and put Emmanuel Sanders in Michael Thomas's role, and that's where you saw that that switch in volume that we uh, that we witnessed. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was nothing when Michael Thomas went out because the Z receiver in the Saints offense doesn't do anything. He's there just to get the X open, and uh, then we saw Emmanuel Sanders step into that X role, and again, all the volume goes to that guy. So, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is a good play when he's on the field, Traquan Smith, and he's, he's your wild card. He's, he's priced down. He's a big play guy. And if he's healthy enough, you're going to get some points out of him. If all he needs is a couple of connections. Yeah. It, it's something I swear. Once again, he has to be healthy. Callaway, you know, if he's not healthy, they're worth the plays at a very, very, you know, kind of dicey type play. But, you know, if we're stacking, you know, when it comes oh, yeah. to Taysom Hill really and then Kamara, I'd be willing to take a shot on one of these guys outside of Michael Thomas. Right. And I'm fading Thomas this week just because I don't know what, what he's going to do. And I really don't have a lot of faith that he's going to be able to hit a ceiling game in a GPP. I mean, you want to play those guys that have a potential of like, you can tell a story about what's going to happen in the game. And I can't tell a story where Michael Thomas has a 10 for one fifty game. It just, it doesn't come up. That makes sense. Now, you know, would you rather stack the side of Matt Ryan in this game? Or would you rather stack the side of Taysom Hill? Because that's what we're looking at right now. We're looking at stacks. We're looking to build our base mm-hmm. of our lineup. I mean, you can. I just, I, I see the script being either um, a shootout or a blowout. It's going to be the Saints by a million, or it's going to be uh, the Falcons passing the ball successfully. I don't see any scenario where they can run on the Saints. And so it, if they're going to be one-dimensional, they're either going to break out with Julio and a healthy Ridley. If Ridley's going, then um, him and Hurst and Julio are going to be a problem for the Saints. 
they don't match up well in the secondary with the with the Falcons' weapons. Um, but I also see the scenario where Matt Ryan's pressing because he's so one-dimensional in this game, and when Matt Ryan presses, he makes mistakes. So I'm more leaning to the side of Taysom Hill, Kamara, Saints defense, and then rolling it back with Julio, who's going to be your most stable uh, receiving threat for the, for the Falcons. Makes sense. I mean, I, I think I'm going to go that route too. And I think I'm going to stay a hell away from Gurley. Uh, right. you know, no, no Gurley, no uh, Quadri Ellison, no Brian Hill. None of those guys are going to do anything. But I kind of like the idea of potentially rolling out Hurst, although, mm-hmm. you know, he could end up leaving the game at a Hurst. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I, yeah, I, I thought of that all right off the top of my head. It was complete dad joke if that i want to give myself I, I credit see, for that yeah. i love hurst as a cash play because he's i think he's tight end four on the year in ppr he hasn't had any blow oh, up wow. games and he hasn't had any bagel games he's been eight or nine points just about every week and at that position being so thin i mean that's that's uh that's a good floor for cash games uh, but i don't see a very high ceiling for him either because he doesn't see enough targets yeah it Okay, I can understand that 100%. I do like him in the cash game, so that makes sense. Now, on to our next game. Go ahead and let us know what that one is. This is a surprise. You guys are probably not expecting uh, somebody to go out and tell you to stack the New England and Houston game. I had Um, no idea that was coming. It was coming. Uh, Houston is a two-point underdog at home against New England, so that's surprising to me with how the two teams have been playing lately and a 48 and a half total, which I fully expect to get busted up very early on in the game. It's going to be, I think we're going to see a, a tit for tat shootout kind of back and forth scoring game um, between these two teams. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a game where I don't see Houston slowing down the power running game and that's going to lead to play action, big plays. Houston really doesn't stop the pass either but they're especially harmed by the power running game and the Patriots. That's their game. They want to, they want to hit you in the mouth with Damian Harris, with Cam Newton in the, in the goal line situations. They're going to, they're going to hit you with a change of pace with James White and Rex Burkhead. They're going to take lots of shots at Jacoby Myers. That's just the way that they've been playing the last four or five weeks. And Houston's not going to be able to stop any of that. Houston hasn't stopped anybody this season. Um, yeah, and, and I, I will add in, by the way, a lot of people are afraid with Jacoby Myers and him seeing a reduction in volume because Nikhil Harris is coming, Nikhil Harry's coming in. Uh, yeah. Nikhil Harry has no impact on Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers has almost been exclusively in the slot so far this season. Right. Uh, you know, meanwhile, it's Julian Edelman that has actually been affecting the, the snaps and him not seeing it. I think the, the Patriots are going to want to see what they have in their young guys. So. I don't think that the Jacob Myers is going to be affected. So who are you going no. with as a stack in this game? So I'm, I'm stacking both directions with this, with this game. I, I do see this as the biggest potential for a shootout that will not be chalky at, at any stretch. Um, so I'm doing a lot of Cam Newton with Damian Harris stacks, your quarterback running back stacks where I'm getting just pure volume in a cash game. And so if I'm going GPP, I'm going to go the other side with uh, Deshaun Watson and even going with both Cooks and Fuller, who I see are great values this week. Cooks and Fuller are both down the field, stretch, stretch the field speed receivers, and that's who have torn the Patriots up this year. Um, 
if you if you look back four or five weeks ago before the Patriots had this really long stretch of no passing attacks that were really threatening, um, they got burned by downfield passing, Stephon Gilmore included. Yeah, Stephon uh, Gilmore struggles with speed significantly. We saw right. it, it kind of like was was kind of exposed to an extent with John Brown right. last year, about halfway through the season when John Brown just burned him on these deep routes. And then and, DK Metcalf this year. I mean, we saw, we've seen it multiple times. Yeah. So I like that call. So which side are you feeling more comfortable stacking? Are you sitting there thinking that it's going to be the, the Sean Watson show, or do you think it's going to be more of the Cam Newton show? Like which one do, would you like to play quarterback and which one do you want to build off of and try and run it back on the other side? So for GPP, if we're talking stacks, we're talking tournaments, we're talking, I want the most upside points. Like I want to see a ceiling game and I want to see the most likely ceiling game from a performance. And points on points on points, baby. Point, all the points. I want to see flames next to every player because that's how you win money on, on the, on the tournaments. I like flames unless it's like all the way in the great. fourth quarter and you're sitting at zero points. So you see a flame cause they scored a touchdown. <laughs> right. That's not good. <laughs> no, um, no, no. Deshaun Watson is a flame performer this week. Um, I think he has a slightly lower floor than Cam Newton because of the rushing aspect. But we're talking, we're talking to Sean Watson's quietly, very quietly having a huge season this year without Deshaun, without DeAndre Hopkins. Really? What's he's he sitting at? QB four or five. He's, he's putting up huge points and we're talking where he's playing hero ball. He's playing the Michael Jordan role that, that his college coach talked about. Dabo Sweeney said he's Michael Jordan. Well, Deshaun Watson's playing like Michael Jordan right now. He's the only show in town on his team. He's playing with Will Fuller and a bunch of other guys. And it's still working. He's still a fantasy relevant quarterback, even if his team sucks because the defense can't stop anybody. Yeah, that's crazy. So, on this slate, he's actually the third highest scoring quarterback in points per game for healthy quarterbacks. So yeah. that that's absolutely nuts. Herbert and Aaron Rodgers are above him, so that makes perfect sense. Meanwhile, when it comes to pricing, he is all the way at yeah, he's all the way at number five. He's the fifth most expensive. Right. So you're going to save and, a little bit of value over here, and he has a great matchup. And I think the other two guys are. I mean, Rodgers has a brutal matchup against the Colts. And Herbert's just downright chalky. I mean, Her- Herbert's going to, against the Jets, you think everybody and their mom's going to have Justin Herbert going. He's got his fresh new haircut from his from his coach. I mean, it's, it's the full system's go for everybody to go on Herbert and watch him have a middling to basement performance because once they get up by 20 points, they're not really going to put their foot on the gas. No, yeah, that's, that's the reality of it up against the Jets. So, yeah, right. Steffi and her mom will be playing Herbert this week. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Daniel Jones is not playing this week, so that makes sense. So who are we stacking with Sean Watts? We already talked about Jacob Myers getting an opportunity, you know, potentially yeah, he's a great be, run back. Uh, Demir Bird, if you want to take a flyer, mm-hmm. you know, up against up against the Texans. So who are we looking at? Who are we looking at on the Houston side of things? So I like both Cooks and Fuller. And I don't like either of the running backs or Duke Johnson or whoever the hell they run out there running back. It's just not a good, some people are on Duke Johnson. I'm not. Um, And Jordan Aikens, uh, Bell's not interested. Give me those top two wide receivers. Yeah, I'll take that 100%. But, you know, it, it gets to the point where Bill Belichick starts getting tired of, 
you know, mistakes. And, you know, we saw it obviously in, in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl as well, but I'm kind of interested to see if he starts using bracketed coverage on Gilmore's side, since Gilmore does uh, struggle, you know, with covering, you know, speedier type targets and, and deep threats. So that's something I swear, like I could see Randall Cobb actually performing okay underneath in, in cash games. I'm not going to be playing him in too many of my tournament lineups. Cause I don't think he has the upside, but you know, at his price and he makes sense. Now, I do want to mention, of course, and this is brought up by you, was the Houston's tight ends. Now, you know, Aikens is the main guy over there. Is he even healthy this week, actually? I believe that he is. Uh, meanwhile, Fells is the touchdown guy, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm actually leaning towards Fells to be able to score up against the secondary. I know that they've been, you know, semi-tough overall. But for some reason, Deshaun Watson can get these guys open. And obviously it has a lot to do with him running inside the red zone and creating that opportunity, you know, allowing them to find time and being that big target. But I kind of like Fells a lot in this game. How are you feeling? I mean, in the tournament, you try the tight end positions a crapshoot every week. God, last I mean, week was so bad. Got, it was so bad. Really bad. The seven kickers outscored the tight end one. That's uh, scary. What was it? Thirteen um, points or something, or fifteen? Thirteen point one was the. It was three players that had thirteen plus, and it was thirteen, thirteen point one, thirteen point one, and nothing above that. And there were seven kickers that scored thirteen point one or more. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. So, yeah, so I mean, if you're t- if you're throwing pointy darts at t- at potential touchdown makers, he's on the list. I'll say that. And honestly, their ownership is going to be just, you know, nothing. bottom of the floor, like nothing. And their pricing, yeah. 2,500 for Aikens, who was the starting tight end to start out the year. And 29 he's the for tight end. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's the more athletic guy. Fells is more of your blocking tight end, but they sneak him out of the, they sneak and him off the line. And he gets those TDs, baby. Yeah, he gets the two for six and one lines. And so, I mean, at his price... And even at Egan's price, where you get him three or four catches for 40, 50 yards, there's your value. I mean, that's if you're building a lineup that needs a cheap tight end, they're on the list. All right, let's hop on to this last game that we're going to be working our stacks into. And then we got uh, sneaky smart plays. And then we got our hot shots by Hot Box Batch. So. Let's go into the sneaky or let's go into this last lineup and let's go ahead and discover who you want to actually play, which is kind of shocking at this over under, in my opinion. You're shocking. You're, you're shocked at 47 and a half or you're shocked that I'm thinking it's going to hit over pretty easily. I'm kind of shocked at this over under just because both defenses have been so bad. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings have been OK lately. They've had some they've had a, one bad matchup that they did well in um, with uh, with Chicago. And then they had the Packers. They held the 20 points. That was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and so the, the Vikings pass defense to start the year was horrible. Like they couldn't stop anybody. They're still down starting their fourth cornerback. But I, I guess these guys are doing better because they're, uh, they're not giving up points like, like they did earlier in the year. I think that's just a product of good coaching. I mean, they, they're just a well-coached team and it's uh it's kind of like the, for me, it's just like the upside of the Cowboys talent with Dalton coming back gets un, unlocked a little bit more than with whatever mall cop they were starting before. Um, but we, we're talking about Andy Dalton with a pretty full stable of uh, 
thoroughbreds over there that are going against still a bad defense for Minnesota. So I am surprised that it's at 47 and a half. Yeah, it's a little low uh, just because of, you know, the ways the defense is playing. So give us who you want to stack in this game. What side are you going to lean on? Where are you going with this? Um, I don't like Dalton as much as a fantasy player. I think he'll have a solid game, but I love Kirk Cousins upside in a weaker opponent. He's coming off a primetime game that gives him the willies like Kirk Cousins in primetime, especially against the Bears defense. That was impressive. He put up a good amount of points hit a three and a half to one value for his, his late game there and got his first Monday night football win. And yeah, so I actually tonight, liked him a lot in this past matchup. I, I had him in a lot of different spots. Big fan of yeah. Cousins this past week. He's going up against the Cowboys, the Cowboys 31st in the league in defensive efficiency. Uh, they're, they're missing um, Trey Diggs, and they're, they just got Cheeto Ouzier back, but, that so far hasn't panned out to be much better than Diggs, who's a learning on the go. Yep. And it's honestly, it's, it's just been completely, uh, completely just a mess after they, they cut Dontari Poe. They, they named Antoine Woods as a starter at defensive tackle, but man, it's something as to where like Dalvin Cook could absolutely be a, a play at 9K. It's a little bit, it's a little bit much, but how many weeks did we go last year? How many weeks did it take us to realize that Christian McCaffrey was going to be a value until he hit over 10 K and it wasn't just 10 K. It had to be over 10 K, you know, and that's something that we have to realize. Like if we sit there, right. And we look at Kirk Cousins upside, we look at Adam Thielen's upside, Justin Jefferson's upside. All these guys could be achieved values. Even if you play Dalvin cook, because of the overall cost of, you know, stacking two or three of these players. How, like, which, which wide receiver do you feel more comfortable playing when it comes to Thielen or Jefferson? I'm playing both of them. <laughs> this, is, this is a game where I just see Kirk Cousins having a ceiling game and both of those guys just eating the Cowboys alive. Wait, wait, but you can't play Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and Thielen and Jefferson, right? Like, which I'm, one are you opting out? I'm off of Cook because the Cowboys run defense has snuck into the top 10 against opposing running backs um, the last few weeks because of Antoine Woods. Dontari Poe is just a salary thief. He came in on a big contract because of his name recognition, and he's not a good player. He wasn't playing hard. He wasn't practicing hard, and he was a cancer in that locker room. As soon as they cut him, they saved some salary. They promoted Antoine Woods. He's been playing out of his mind. He's stopping the run. Leighton Vanderesh is a great run-stopping linebacker. He's been healthy and back. That run defense has improved. Their pass defense has not. And so I'm on both wide receivers, but I'm leaving Dalvin Cook off of my GPP lineups because everybody's going to have him, and he's 9,000. I don't want to spend up for somebody who everybody's going to have. Yeah, and, and there's no other like pivot in this play. And I don't think you should pivot because I don't think this is going to have a lot of you know big-time ownership in this. So... You know, I'm not looking to play like Chad Beebe. I'm not looking to play Ole B.C. Johnson. Uh, you know, maybe Irv Smith Jr. If he gets activated, you know, with his value, that makes sense. But yeah, I can't go to that. The big one that I want to talk about, though, is running it back and who I want to run it back with. And Zeke, by the way, has actually scored less than Jonathan Taylor has over like what? Since like week three or something along those lines. 
And that hurts me as a Cowboys fan who is a big, big JT proponent coming out of Wisconsin. Love me some Jonathan Taylor. And both of those guys in the same negative conversation just tears my heartstrings out. Like just rips them out. One is a wide receiver three. I mean, a running back three. The other one is a running back four by one place. (laughs) And that's 36 and 37th ranked. It's absolutely insane how bad both these guys have played and the workloads that they've been getting to an extent. But yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm liking Gallup a lot this week. I mean, the biggest thing we were talking about a pre-show was the fact that Andy Dalton, like he knows how to look left. You know, he can pull that that Zoolander move that, that or he can pull that move that Zoolander could not and turn left. So yeah, and like Teddy Bridgewater is Zoolander, he doesn't turn left and look at <laughs> DJ Moore, and so you have a. Dalton it actually looks left first and which is why he targeted Gallup more than any other player when he was active. Yeah. And, and he that, gives Gallup an opportunity to make these jump balls. Right. And Gallup is your vertical threat. He's, he's a burner. He's good at running the go route. He's good at running the deep post, the deep fade, the deep comeback routes. Uh, those corners for Minnesota are going to struggle against a guy that quick and that fast. And Dalton, if he has time, that's the, the caveat here. If he has time to take shots at Gallup, he will. And he will do it often. All right, so tell me real quick. Tell me real quick what his price is. Michael Gallup is 3700 <laughs> which is absolutely bonkers. Dude, he's been playing with terrible quarterbacks, man. His value, yeah. his value was what like all the way said, up into his He's been playing with mall cops at quarterback. His, Garrett his Gilbert value. was like, didn't Garrett Gilbert quit the XFL or he was like, he was in the XFL. And I mean, Ben DiNucci, rookie out of James Madison. What the hell was that? No comment. But either way, we're talking about some major, major value to be had with Michael Gallup. Huge value. And a great run back option. I don't hate CeeDee Lamb either. I don't hate Dalton Schultz. But honestly, like, I'm going to stay away from Mari Cooper still. He's a little bit too expensive at 54. Yeah. Just a little bit. Not a lot. But I I could see him having a touchdown with 60 yards receiving. You don't get enough return on that. I would not argue against anybody playing the wide receivers, any of the top wide receivers, the top two for Minnesota, the top three for Dallas. They're all underpriced this week. Every single one of them. I'd still rather go with the upside of Michael Gallup for tournament purposes. Of course. But even Cooper at 54, if you're building a lineup and you have 5,400, he's the best option in that range. True. And that's, and that's, it's just crazy how much they've depressed the pricing of all five of these wide receivers that have huge upside. So all five of them. let's go through a quick questionnaire. Would you rather play um, Marvin Jones Jr. Who's a hundred dollars more expensive than Amari Cooper? No, not this week. <laughs> what about Travis Fulgham or Tyler Boyd? That's crazy, man. Amari Cooper is down here with these maybe guys. Maybe Boyd. Yeah, Boyd, yes. Not Boyd's against Washington. Ex- I don't care. Oh, Boyd's a slot receiver. And so Washington over the middle has been torn apart. And so I'm fading, I'm fading T. Higgins. I'm fading A.J. Green. Of course, everybody can fade him pretty easily this week. And even Joe Burrow, I see his upside being capped because Washington's great against the outside receivers. Tight ends and slot receivers have torn them up because their their linebackers are slow. What, so the issue with Washington and the slot receivers is the fact that they allow their their slot corner to actually jump the routes, and so right. they do tend to get burned. But it's also big play, you know, ability happening there as well. Yeah. Tight ends, Tyler they Boyd, just can't defend the tight ends. Different. 
Tyler Boyd, I'm taking over. I'm taking over Cooper. Okay. Um, Fulgham, no, because, I mean, since Brager came back, he's been the focal point, and Goddard is a focal point. Fulgham was a very good safe, uh, like safeguard. Like he was, he was a guy that was a good route runner, great hands. But as long as there's other guys that are shinier for Carson Wentz to throw to, he's going to pick those guys. He's a he's a big play thinking quarterback. And so Fulgham, there's nothing that says he can't do it. But I'm seeing a lot of attention paid to Rager and Goddard now that they're back. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into our we'll, – we'll call it our sneaky hot plays, right? Because your, your hot spicy. sauce kind of – yeah, it kind of sneaks up on you, right? Hot box batch? Yes, Hotboxbatch.com. <laughs> All right, so let's go with our sneaky smart plays. And these guys are plays that are right in front of your face, but not a lot of people realize are right in front of your face because that little red number that's next to it, or maybe it's the pricing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these so the many guys. These are the guys when they score the first and second touchdowns on Sunday afternoon, you're going to be like, why did I start him? (laughs) Or, uh, oh, it figures. It figures he would go off when I didn't play it. Oh, that's a good one, too. That is a good one. (laughs) So, yeah, these are guys that that is looking us dead set in the face, and we're just too dumb to to realize it. And it happens to all of us. It happens to me probably at least 10 times a week in certain lineups that I have going. My first one that I wanted to bring up Oh my God. This one is just, it, it's too good. And the reason why this one is too good is because of the fact that Bo actually brought this up to me in like week five. And this guy was actually Dalvin Cook when it happened. I don't remember exactly what week, but it was around then. And I was like, man, I never really realized that these top end guys, you know, who, who are relevant from week to week, but have a tough matchup, you know, whatever the case is, they have these holes. And, and I know that it happens with wide receivers a lot more often, but running backs, you know, it's, it's units of defenses that stop running backs, not necessarily individuals. So I've been always looking for that wide receiver that's high price that can have the whole, you know, in, in the, up against that red number, not necessarily the running back. But yeah, Derrick Henry up against Baltimore, who's eighth up against the running back so far this year. Right? Like Derrick Henry, dude, he struggles up against these tough running, you know, up against these tough teams, right? Like that's what happens. Yeah, you would think the Ravens would be well equipped to stop Derrick Henry, but the Ravens. Did you watch the game last week? Well, that it was, was a rainstorm, but still, Who gives a crap. That means they knew that the ball was going to be run. <laughs> True story. They knew there was going to be run plays right in their face. And guess what happens when the Titans give the ball to Derrick Henry? They're running it right into your face. <laughs> so the Ravens are actually struggling up against the run as of late. Three of the past four games, they're allowing at least 4.4 yards per carry. What's even a bigger you know, factor into this is that they are 31st in explosive run rates over this past four games. 31st. Meanwhile, in these past four games, only one team has run more than 20 times in a game up against the Ravens, which is absolutely insane. I believe last week they ran 28 times because of the rainstorm. Every other time they've ran less than 20 times per game. Clayus Campbell's out. This could be a massive, massive game for Derrick Henry. And his ownership isn't even inside the top 10. Not even inside no, the I, top 10 of running backs. I think I saw it between 3 and 8%. That's crazy. That's insane Which, to me. That makes no sense. that price... Um, the weather is getting colder. And when the weather gets colder, Derrick Henry averages seven yards a carry for his career. 
Because if oh you're God. in a game outside and it's 30 degrees or colder, guess who's the last guy you want to wrap up or make contact with? It's the guy that's 6'4", 250, running 22 miles per hour. Maybe you'd want him to wrap you up, you know, make you keep you all warm and yeah. stuff inside. Yeah. Can Just you, saying. Can we cuddle Derek later, Henry. Derek? <laughs> Derek, can we cuddle later? Because I'm, I'm extremely, I'm like, he's going to break these guys into pieces. <sighs> You broke all my fingers off, Derek. You're going to have to snuggle me later to make me feel better. God, like it's blowing me away. Like, I I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. I'm playing Derek Henry in a lot of lineups. It's this beautiful mesh between a tough matchup on paper, which isn't that tough if you look at it, and the last four games he scored under 20 points. And one of those games he scored under 10 points. Very un-Derek Henry-like numbers. And so it's this nice little mesh point where a DFS player can spend up on a guy and get the upside of a 30-point game. Do you have another guy in here for this? Miles, I don't know his middle name, Sanders. <laughs> Wait, why do you need his middle name? I don't know, just for emphasis, some guys like to throw out the middle name like uh, Devontae Lavelle Adams. I feel Miles like it, it's it's definitely a J. Like, oh man, that would be actually really cool, MJ. But no, Miles J. Sanders just sounds about right. Yeah, no. not James or Jimmy. It's Miles J. Sanders. <laughs> Miles Jimmy. <laughs> Can we get Alexa? What's Miles Sanders' middle name? <laughs> yeah, no, he's my guy this week. I'm uh, planting my flag in Miles Sanders across different formats. He's medium owned, so I'm not too afraid of playing him in a GPP. He's going against the Browns. The weather is not going to be ideal. It's going to be better than the last couple weeks. But Sanders is a big play waiting to happen. He was he was vultured out of two touchdowns last week. Um, he's he's going against the Cleveland Browns in a game that is probably going to have have moisture and have moisture. It, it, yeah, it's gonna be and, very moist over there. Yeah, so moist. We just so, lost all of our followers. Yeah, gone. <laughs> so, bye bye. So yeah, if Damian Harris can rush for 120 yards on the Ravens in the rain, I think uh, Miles Sanders can rush for 120 on the on the Browns in the rain. I like it, man. It was something that was big behind, and you know they're talking about having more running back by committee type stuff. Well, they also have to run the ball more. Like they have to run the ball more. I mean, Miles Sanders. I don't. How many games has he had over 20 uh, carries so far this season? I don't know if he's had any. Maybe one or two at the most. And it's a tragedy because when they give him 20 touches, they're pretty much undefeated. In his whole, like the last year and a half that he's been a pro, they don't lose when they give him the ball. It's insane to me. It drives me insane. And I know it drives a lot of other people insane, but good news, guys, if you have him in Dynasty, if you don't have him in Dynasty, he's going to be even cheaper. If you do have him in Dynasty, he's still going to be fresh. So yes. buy up all the Miles Sanders you can after this season. He's too good to not want on your team. He could end up being like the Aaron Jones of next year, but Aaron Jones that didn't produce. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's a very similar player to Aaron Jones. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. He just yeah. needs the ball in his hands, and he and, will do special things. And he's a better athlete, too. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I hated Miles Sanders last year. He had a he had a fumble on every like thirty point eight carries in college or something like that, which is absolutely insane. Not good, Bob. Not good, Bob. I was off him last year. I'm on him this year, and I'm going to stick on him at least until halfway through next yeah. year. We'll see what happens. We had the same fumble warning signs for JT, unfortunately. 
Well, JT's actually the one guy that I wanted to bring up, so thanks for the intro. Uh, he's, he's the last guy I want to discuss on here, and I don't really have a reason as to play him outside of Green Bay and outside of his ownership levels probably being close to nothing because people don't trust him. But yeah, he's like he's a guy that, that they have to get in the ball 15, 20 times a game. Like They have to in order to get him up and running. And Naeem Hines was not built to carry this heavy workload. I understand that he's had issues with vision. And then he struggled from time to time, you know, with, with, I guess, beating guys out of the backfield. But guys, this dude is still a rookie. He's been dealing with open holes that he just has to, you know, poke his head through uh, from time to time. So it's something as to where he just needs, he just needs a little bit of time to learn how to run behind a subpar offensive line, which by the way, the Colts, one of the best offensive lines in the league when it comes to pass blocking last year, they were terrible this year. They have not been good. So uh, keep in mind, Marlon Mack had like the 54th worst uh, run blocking rate in the league last year. Just the record. Did I say Marlon Mack? I hope I said Marlon Mack. All right. So let's go ahead. Or do you have something to add to that? No, I mean, I think uh, if we look at metrics for run blocking, they're 29th in the league this year. at opening up holes. Um, so JT's vision hasn't been great. We've seen on tape that he's missed some very big play opportunities by taking the wrong gap. Um, but it's more about sequencing and timing with him. He's a big, he's a big body with a lot of speed once he gets going and they just haven't given the ball enough to get in a rhythm. And so I think if they do click, it's going to be really special. We just got to know when it's going to be. I'd like to have a crystal ball for JT to break out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now let's go ahead and jump into our final section with these flyers. We will alternate players that we picked, and then we're going to actually build a lineup for you guys on DraftKings to figure out our best optimal lineup with these two. Well, one giant brain and one hardworking brain that probably works 10 times harder than I should have to work, but yet it is what it is. So I do wear a very large hat. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to put on my beanie. All right. So let's go ahead. And let's, uh, let's talk about our flyers. You can start it out. Uh, so we're on Salvan Ahmed. And yeah, I like Salvan Ahmed as, as a flyer. Um, he might be a little chalky. I mean, when I wrote the show sheet, he was, was a good value running back at 4,800. Um, uh, for me, it's, he's limited upside. I'm a little worried about that. But his price is right. So if he hits 10, 15 points, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, Salvin Ahmed has a ton of upside. It's, it's somebody that I loved throughout the whole entire offseason up until his combine. He completely ruined his chance at the combine, went undrafted. I was like, great, he ended up on the 49ers. He has a chance to actually compete for a starting spot. I wasn't as high on him at this point, but then he ends up getting cut. He ends up in the Dolphins behind a bunch of scrubs. I like his chances. He's going to have to compete with you know a few snaps here and there, and, and it's something that makes me a little bit nervous with Salvin Ahmed. He's not as high on my list as he was last week. I loved him last week. Absolutely loved him. But yeah, he's somebody that I do feel like you still got to take a chance on here and there if you're going to hop onto this Dolphins matchup. Now, the, the rookie that I'm actually picked for the running back position is going to be P. Ryan. Uh, let me go. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Michael P. Ryan up against the Chargers. <laughs> Listen, Michael P. Ryan, they're coming off a bye week with the Jets. All right, it's it's something as to where the Chargers, by the way, are kind of taking form of themselves back in 2019, where you could not pass on them. They're finally getting back to that role again. You know, they've they've been very very uh, uh, stout on in the secondary. So, with that being the result of it, 
they're also allowing teams to have these significant weeks as to where the, the run heavy offenses can have these breakouts. If there was any week, any week at all, as to where LaMichael Piron could actually be relevant because they actually do a game plan for him to try and make sure that, that not only they don't have a bunch of turnovers up against the Chargers, which the Chargers are great at forcing turnovers, they also have an opportunity to test out their rookie to see if they're going to need to draft a running back in 2021. I think that this would be the week. Piron... It's cheap enough as to where, hey, if you see a touchdown with, you know, 60 total yards, maybe a couple of receptions in there, he pays off big time for you. And you can go with some of these bigger plays. Right. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. That's uh, the Chargers haven't been that good against the run. They're kind of middle of the pack. Uh, their pass defense is kind of the highlight of that team. So, um, yeah, they, they've been gashed before, and I can totally see it happen, especially with the, if the Jets are smart. They're going to try to keep this to, uh, at a low-scoring clip. They want to keep the Chargers within range to where they can make a comeback because if the Jets want to win at all, this is their chance because the Chargers, even with a lead, it's not safe. Like The Chargers have blown so many games within seven points that it's it's uncanny that they have so many close games and they lose every single one of them somehow. Um, so I, I do see if if they can run the ball effectively with P Ryan and company, uh, we're looking at a team, a, a game where you might see a couple touchdowns from a guy like P Ryan. And that's, that, that's going to be the, the way they win. If they want to is to just pound the rock at the chargers. Don't let Joe Flacco take shots at the secondary. It won't end well. No, not like it did last week. <laughs> well, it ended very poorly for Flacco because I think they buzzed Adam Gase down from the booth and said, Hey, directive directive what are you doing winning this game you're looking way too good out there flacco looks like uh, 2011 flacco out there oh god all right so who you got next um curtis samuel i mean i've been tweeting about this guy all week long curtis samuel curtis samuel curtis samuel he's the running back two on this team he's the wide receiver three on this team that combines to a good 10 to 15 touch floor for the guy. And he's a big play waiting to happen. doesn't matter where they line him up. He is a gadget player with a ton of potential. He's only 4,700 as a wide receiver three in a build. I love Curtis Samuel because he's got massive upside, even as a running back in your wide receiver three set, because Mike Davis has really slowed down since his first couple of games. When Christian McCaffrey first got hurt, Mike Davis stepped in, fresh legs, looked great. The last four weeks, Mike Davis has looked slow and old. And Curtis Samuel, when he runs the ball in the backfield, looks like the real deal. Curtis so actually, Samuel is priced down here with Tim Patrick and Willie Sneed. <laughs> yes, and Willie Sneed's way overpriced. Zach passed Tim Patrick, out. Uh, yeah. Same thing there. Way overpriced. Um, I like Tim Patrick as a good flyer too, but Curtis Samuel in this game against Detroit, who can't stop a mobile like scat back type. They haven't stopped a receiving back all season. And Curtis Samuel's going to get those chances. Mike Davis is going to get more touches in Samuel, but he won't produce more yards and he won't score touchdowns like, like Curtis Samuel I expect to. I like it, man. It's something that I can get behind to an extent. I, I don't love Curtis Samuel, but everything that you're saying kind of makes me like him. I'm probably going to play him in a couple lineups this week. So let me go ahead and jump into my next guy. 
And that's going to be carry on Johnson. <sighs> I know. I get it. I get it. Carry on Johnson is not a guy you ever really want to play. I understand. He's a knee brace guy. <laughs> and I like, I, by the way, I do like Adrian Peterson a lot more, but I feel like Adrian Peterson is going to be heavier chalk. Meanwhile, carry on Johnson out of the backfield is not a bad player. I've said this since he came in the NFL. I don't like him as a primary option in offense. I like him as a guy that shares touches in the backfield. I think that he's a better player than a player like Wayne Gallman, you know, a player like Michael P. Ryan, who we just talked about. So it's somewhere as to like, I'm feeling okay about carry on Johnson this week. He's going to get, you know, a, a decent workload. He's going to see targets, which is even more important because of the fact the Lions might be losing in this game. Uh, you know, we just talked about the fact they're playing, playing the Panthers. So, I don't know, man. Carry on Johnson for me at his pricing could absolutely smash faces. And we sit there, we look at Maine, you know, running backs being out. We look at, at Joe Mixon being out, right? We look at Aaron Jones being out. We look at, at different, you know, star running backs being out. Miles Sanders being another one. And all of a sudden their backup is relevant. I understand that it's still kind of like a timeshare, but the amount of times they run the ball over there and the amount of value that they get from their running backs with Kenny Galladay still being out. Why in a late game scenario where the team is losing, isn't carry on Johnson more of an option? He absolutely should be. Um, we've seen oh, Adrian Peterson. Um, Adrian Peterson hasn't done anything with all the volume he's gotten this year. Nothing. He's putting up no points for fantasy. He's not scoring touchdowns. He just, he's a big nothing of stealing points from Swift until last week. And then, Carrion Johnson's also better than Adrian Peterson at this point in his career. He's younger, fresher. If there is, I mean, such a thing as fresher with a guy with chronic knee pain, but the guy's still a young back and he's still got lots of potential. He's still a really good receiving back. So yeah, absolutely. Carrion Johnson this week in that, in that role where he steps in to that swift type of role where he's going to be handling third down and, and um, in between the twenties, Give me all the carry on Johnson because he could break one. I don't see AP breaking one. Yeah, it, it just makes too much sense for me. Now, go ahead and let's let's run through these last two and let's go ahead and build a lineup real quick. These are on to your last two picks. So, um, well, throw them together. I like uh, Devin Duvernay against the Titans as a, it's just your pointy dart min price. Uh, can catch a deep ball from Lamar Jackson type guy. And then I have uh, Donald Parham as a, as a tight end dart throw. It's uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, you're, if you're, if you're saying who do I think might score a touchdown, Donald Parham uh, kind of getting off the Hunter Henry chalk there. He's been getting a lot of red zone looks, lots of goal line looks um, because he's six foot eight. What's what's not to like for Herbert throwing to a guy who's six foot eight against nobody his height? Makes sense. Um, and then Duvernay is a speed rookie. He went to Texas. He's a he's a sprinting champion. And Marquise Brown hasn't been hasn't been doing it all year. He hasn't made that connection with Lamar Jackson. So I mean, I think Duvernay at his price is just as likely to catch one of those bombs as is Marquise Brown. Uh, I can't disagree with you on that. I love Duvernay. 
big fan of DuVernay. I want to see him succeed in this offense. And he gets used a lot more than what people realize in, in different gadget type plays. He could become that player that, that scores just like, by the way, Curtis Samuel, who you mentioned. And I feel like they're going to utilize him a lot more come towards the end of the season. when They need to figure out what they have in him for the playoffs. Exactly. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and build this lineup. You know, we talked about a few different stacks. So let's use one of these stacks that we talked about. You know, we have the Deshaun Watson stack. We've got the, the Kirk Cousins stack, which you talked about. Is there a certain yeah. stack that you really want to attack the hell out of? Because, you know, before we talked about this, I loved like the Ben Roethlisberger stack. Maybe want to get that way, but then I thought he might be chalk. You know, I which way so. are you leaning? I mean, I like, I mean, going against the Steelers right now, especially their passing game, it just doesn't make sense because, I mean, the Jaguars haven't stopped run or pass all year. But I don't trust Connor, just like last week. I didn't trust Connor to be that solid floor running back, even in a plus plus matchup. And he, again, he he threw it up, threw out another dud performance. And the Steelers, even way ahead, were throwing the ball because they couldn't run the ball to put the game away. So they just decided to keep scoring touchdowns. Which, by the way, makes an obvious play for Juice Smith Schuster, which I meant to bring up and I did not. Yes. But let's go ahead and and go with one of the stacks we've been talking about. Sure. Um, you can either go with, uh, I think, I mean, either Watson or Taysom Hill stack. Okay, so you want to go that route. Let's go with, uh, let's go with Watson. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I feel like Taysom Hill, by by the time Chalk hits, is going to be just over yeah, the top. Over the top, yeah. So let's go with Sean Everybody's Watson. just going to make fun of him today, but by tomorrow when they're actually setting lineups, they're going to have him more than they exactly. think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that price is too good. All right, so Deshaun Watson, and let's pick out one of these wide receivers up against New England. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be Cooks, if I had to guess, right? I don't. Cooks I didn't is have... only fifty two hundred, which is a great price. He's going against J.C. Jackson, who's really good at picking balls off, but has been burned just like Gilmore. I think Gilmore will be on Fuller most of the time. Um, but J.C. Jackson has uh, made some big plays. He's a ball hawk, but he's he's getting burned just as much as Gilmore down the field. He's your physical type corner. How do you feel like going a single stack in this one, and then trying to find value other places because there are so many other value? Players. Oh yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Who would you so, rather go with, Brandon Cooks, or would you rather go with Will Fuller? Because I think Will got- Fuller will see the volume. Right. And I think Will Fuller's also more likely to throw out a 30 point performance. All right. Let's go with Will Fuller then. We're going to kick ourselves in the asses. Uh, Cooks you know, goes off. Yeah. Cooks goes off. All right. So <laughs> it could happen. Let's, uh, let's go defense next in this one because we didn't talk defenses all that much. Right. Um, you know, the Chargers, we talked about Joe Flacco turning it over a little bit, but Dolphins versus, mm-hmm. you know, Denver just seems too sweet. To, to pass up. Meanwhile, they're probably going to be really heavy in chalk. That's I, true. I kind of want to see the Washington football team up against Joe Burrow and, and see them get mm-hmm. the sacks on. Plus Washington has been kind of porous as of late. So I, I kind of want to see Washington this matchup. How are you feeling? Um, I have a lot of Washington and I have a lot of Packers against the Colts because I think Rivers is going to, he's going to have to toss the rock around and he's very turnover prone. Um, But Washington is definitely in play for me. All right, let's go with Washington on this one. All right. So we're going to have to play one of the running backs in Washington up against Cincinnati. I just feel like it's, it's an Antonio Gibson game written all over it. Definitely Gibson game. 
over McKissick, right? Yeah, actually, the Bengals are surprisingly good against receiving backs. They're third in the league against receiving backs, um, but they've been just killed by regular running backs. So, and it's definitely a Gibson game. All right, let's take it. Rolling with it. Great price, too. I can't believe Gibson's not getting any markup from how much he's been scoring lately. It's insane. Like, he is literally, like, if we sit there, we look at it, right? It is absolutely insane his prices over other running backs in this area. I mean, he's priced right around Jamal Williams, Boston Scott. Tony Pollard. You know, Tony Pollard. A great back, but doesn't get enough touches and hasn't all year. No, it's absolutely insane. I mean, you have to go all the way up to like Todd Gurley. Sure. Um, James Robinson is the next closest guy when it comes to pricing compared to his points per game. You know, that's absolutely nuts. You know that, that Gibson actually has more points per game than DeAndre Swift. That's yeah, crazy. Gibson, I think, is uh, PPR running back three. So, uh, yeah, he's been healthy. He's been on the field, and he's scored touchdowns. Uh, that's a recipe for good good running back play, especially under 6,000. All right, so that's leaving us with the remaining salary of 28. So that, that allows us to play some studs over here. Oh, yeah, and that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. All right. Are we playing running back studs or wide receiver studs? Because I feel like it's more of a, um, a, a running back stud type of week over. Okay. So let's go running back. And there's a great number of uh, volley receivers under seven this week. So we can definitely take advantage of that. Alvin Kamara, you said was a lock. Yes. Lock it in. Are you sure? Cause they got Atlanta. Atlanta's really tough. If not <laughs> Kamara, Derrick Henry. I think we have to play Derrick Henry. Yeah, we talked about him. If we play, let's keep Kamara in our thoughts. I don't know if we're going to be able to fit it in. We I don't might. have, but I we could with certain values. Yeah, I have a build with both of them, so it's definitely possible if we get there. I think we should have Jacoby Myers, right? Absolutely. Uh, as a run back. I completely forgot about that. We probably should have talked about that earlier. Um, I have seen Jacoby Myers' ownership uh, projected as high as 16%. So That's we can take though. that into consideration. That's not overly high. And I don't expect that to trend any higher before kickoff. I like it. I like it. Absolutely love it, actually. All right. Yeah. Um, and then was there a wide receiver that we actually had as a flyer on that mat the matchup? Uh, I know that we talked about Curtis Samuel, but Curtis Samuel won't allow us to play right. a, a stud. So we'd have to go super low on this. Yeah, so Michael Gallup was the only one that came to mind at 37. I like um, Gallup we, a lot. We're both on Gallup, so um, I think he has to be in our build. If we're building together and we agreed on a guy, he's going in, okay, Chase? That's very true. <laughs> All right, so if we try to fit in Alvin Kamara at 92, that's going to leave us at 28 for the last tight end position. Okay. There's you had in that range. You had Donald Parham, uh, Mo Ali Cox to be a play up against Green Bay because Green Bay is great up against the wide receivers when uh, Jair Alexander is healthy. Adam Troutman, I love. I forgot to talk about Adam Troutman this week. Josh Hill is out. Adam Troutman is still dominating snaps. Um, he's more and he's like, a real tight end, unlike Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah, he's a real tight end. <laughs> I love Adam Troutman this week, and I, I didn't bring him up. Yeah, is there uh, Harrison Bryant um, going against uh, as your as your uh, not Hunter Bryant Harrison Bryant um, going against a Philly team? Uh, Hooper, he's a he's a uh, your alternative to Hooper, who I see as a pretty good play at his price range. Um, 
but yeah, I do like, uh, I do like your, your guy there. Um, uh, Troutman. Yeah. Troutman or, or Harrison Bryant flip a coin. God, man, I kind of want to play both of those guys. Like it just makes too much sense. It just makes too much sense. I think Troutman is still sharing with Jared Cook, and he's not on the field as much. I don't think he gets as many snaps as Harrison Bryant. No, Adam Troutman has actually led the team uh, two weeks now in snaps, and he's beat Jared Cook out four weeks total. However, one had to do with an injury. So he's actually had more snaps than Jared Cook. Meanwhile, uh, Harrison Bryant, uh, he was second in the team last week. He did leave the team the week before that and the week before that. However, that had to do with the injury to Austin Hooper. Right. Um, prior to that, he pretty what much about stayed. target volume. Um, I don't I, have I don't those think, numbers in front of me. Yeah, I don't think either one of them get a ton of targets. So, yeah, I like flip a coin. I like Troutman. So, I, I, I feel like we could actually take a shot on Troutman with a lower ownership percentage. Like, who's going to be playing Troutman? Not a damn soul. I feel like, you know, like Harrison Bryant, I'm not saying at shouldn't this, be played. Well, no, at this price, <laughs> just throw a dart, man. It's They're both pointy darts, as I like to call them. And so, yeah, no problem there. And I don't have any trouble at all leaving 300 on the board because we got guys that in their brackets are the best in their bracket. Any thought on Tyler Eifert being an option? No. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, he's averaging like 3.5 points. Now that I say that, he's going to score twice, but. Um. <laughs> you know, Houston's the only game that he had over five, or Houston and Tennessee are the only two games where he's had over five fantasy points, both in which, no, only one in which he scored it. He's All right, so that's our lineup, right? On the field, yeah. I'm entering yeah. it in. Let's do it. Let me go ahead and read that off since I accidentally pressed stop instead of back. Um, Sean Watson, <laughs> Antonio Gibson, Derek Henry, Will Fuller, Jacob Myers, Michael Gallup, Adam Troutman, Alvin Kamara, and Washington football team's defense. Enter. We are locked in. If we win a million dollars. Big studs in that running back position. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. Let me read these, these studs. Antonio Gibson, Derrick Henry, and Alvin Kamara. That is Whoa. sexy. Oh, new pants. Need new pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to finish up our episode for us. Make sure you guys go check out at Join Our Circle. And Bo, you want to let everybody know where to find you, my friend? At Bo underscore McBigTime. All my work will be on my page, well, t- well retweeted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Facebook user said, keep Kamara in. What are you all crazy? As D gives up points. That's now, true. I- I, we agree with you. That's why we had to fit Alvin Kamara back in. But if you listen to the episode, we believe in Derrick Henry a lot too. So yeah, that's a shoehorn. We got to force him in there. Oh, dude, it's getting forced. That fucking. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you all for tuning in. If you guys want to find me on Twitter, FF underscore intervention, make sure you guys check out all of our content. Check out our team. We appreciate you guys for staying in and, and dealing with us for this DFS matchup this late at night. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you all for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life. We're out. Switch up a stove, pick up a stove, they feeling away, they know I'm the That's how you bang a podcast.